Welcome to the Mentor Circle Podcast, bringing you real talk, sage wisdom, and inspired advice for women of color on life, entrepreneurship, and building your dreams. This podcast is brought to you by Project She Went For Her Dreams, a business advisory platform for women entrepreneurs since 2011. I am your host, Arian Hunter from Brooklyn, New York, and I have helped hundreds of women start powerful careers and launch new businesses doing the work they feel called to do in the world. The Mentor Circle was inspired by the lack of diversity in the women's empowerment conversation. All too often, the stories of black and brown women are left out. This is a community of dreamers and doers of color who share our vision, experiences, and the drive to create a better world for ourselves and for our culture. Let's get into it. I'll see you inside. Welcome back. This is Arian Hunter, the Mentor Circle podcast. With me, I have Robin Rogers, also known as DJ Reborn. Um, she is a DJ, she's a musicologist, and I'm going to let her tell a little bit more about her story and her background. But welcome, Robin. Thank you so, so much for, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate uh, the invitation. I love that you have this podcast and that it's a, a place for other women to find inspiration. So I'm excited to kick off our conversation. I have so many uh, questions for you. I'm just really excited to hear more about your, your journey um, to being one of the most sought after DJs in New York City and abroad. Um, but first, take us back a little bit. Tell us about your journey um, to where you are today. Um, and I understand you're touring with Lauren Hill. Tell me what led to, yeah. to this point to where you are today. Uh, again, thank you for having me. Um, yeah. I am, oh, where do I start? So uh, I've been DJing for a very, very long time, more than two decades. Um, and I've always had a deep passion for music. Um, I grew up around a lot of, you know, my family was just super into music. My, mm-hmm. my oldest brother was a musician. Um, and then my other brother, <laughs> I'm the youngest in my family wow. of four. So my, my other brother... Um, was always a record collector and we always had records in my house and my parents always went to concerts and went dancing and like it was just you know music was our thing um and I'm originally from Chicago so I kind of grew up with that as my backdrop mm-hmm. um and then we moved to a suburb of Chicago um when I was in junior high school um and then from there I moved to California just kind of on my own to have a change from Chicago mm-hmm. um and that's where I met and became super inspired by other DJs who were actually from New York mm-hmm. but who were going to college in the Bay Area which is where I relocated to um nice. and then I just you know, I started to see how it was possible to merge all of the genres of music that I loved so much and to do it like from a technical standpoint. And I just have always loved vinyl and turntables and DJs always fascinated me. So that was sort of the beginning. And I was, my good friend Rachel and I were getting curious about DJing. Like she was interested in it too. And she was dating a DJ and then we just sort of started buying records and practicing at her house. She got some turntables and I just thought it was something fun to do and a way for me to express myself through music, but I never thought of it as a career choice, you know, mm-hmm. especially, you know, then in the nineties when it just was like, you know, not that there 
weren't DJs doing a lot, but it just seemed more like a side thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, moving to New York about 20 years ago is really my ambitious, um, naive way to pursue <laughs> the dream of kind of doing music for a living or playing music for a living. Um, so I moved here to New York with the intention of like, okay, I don't want to have this regret in my life that I didn't try to do something mm -hmm. that I loved, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to give it my all and treat it like it was a job for me. Yeah. And then when I did that, that's when it, it just kept unfolding in front of me and I kept working at getting better mm -hmm. from a craft perspective um, and just kind of building my network, which I'm not so great at. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm like, I'm a people person, but it has to be very organic. Yes. So it, it's been, you know, maybe the hardest thing for me is like the networking aspect of the work. Mm -hmm. But I just always hope people just love the work and then that's the merit and then that's where more work comes from. Right. right. So, yeah. So it started off as a hobby and then I pursued it seriously. And then because the doors and windows and roads kept opening up, I knew that I was on the right path. I just, you know, I've just had to be persistent. Yeah. You know, we, we always talk about, you know, here in the mentor circle around the pursuit of our dreams, right? And it's not until yeah. you commit 100% to something that you really start to see an unfolding of the doors opening, opportunities, the synchronicities that sort of, you know, tell you that you're on the right path, right? And yeah. I can definitely relate to that of, you know, first pursuing something as a hobby and not really taking it seriously. You probably didn't yeah. have a whole lot of examples of, you know, other DJs that were doing this full time. So exactly. you know, maybe it didn't seem like something like a serious job. Um, but mm -hmm. I love that there was a sort of a turning point for you where you were just like, I have to commit to this 100% and coming to New York City to really grow your passion and your craft. So I love that. Yeah. And you know, um, what's interesting is mm -hmm. when I first got here, I thought I had a lot more opportunities lined up than what ended up being the case mm -hmm. from the DJing perspective. And I learned really quickly that even though I was like diving head first towards this, this dream that I had and this passion that I had, mm -hmm. the, uh, when the opportunities started to dry up or when things got mm -hmm. scary and slow, and I had to pivot, you know what I mean? Like that word that everybody's using now in this era. Um, I had to pivot and figure stuff out because I had rent to pay. And, you know, this New York rent has never been a game. Um, and, and so I got this like random job, like an under the table kind of retail job just to pay the bills. And I, I always talk about this moment that I had when I was on my way to that job. Mm -hmm. And I didn't particularly enjoy it. It was just like a way to make money. Yeah. And I just, I had this moment where I like floated out of my body. I always tell the story. I floated out of my body. I was on the subway, on the city train going to work. Yeah. And I could see myself. It's like an out of body experience, wow. right? So yeah. I saw myself sitting on the subway looking so sad mm -hmm. <laughs> and so defeated. And then I looked around and I saw other sad and defeated energies around me, like uh, probably on their way somewhere to do something that wasn't meaningful to them. And yeah. 
it was just like, that was a, a moment for me where I was like, I didn't move to New York to take some job that I could do anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I got to get, I got to get my head in the game. Yes. And I was like, I'm quitting this job. <laughs> like I, cause I also, the job didn't give me more security. And I think right. this is a myth. I just had this conversation with my girlfriend, um, my home girl, excuse my rambling, but my homegirl and I were talking about the difference between jumping with a safety net towards something that you're not sure about that maybe you dream about doing and jumping without the safety net. Mm. And I was like, not everybody has the luxury of a safety net because she was telling the story of a woman who was like, she had worked in you know the corporate world and she saved money for a year. Mm. And then she went towards her dream of being a writer and she gave mm. herself a deadline. Like if I, you know, she lived off of her savings for like three years and committed to writing. And I was like, that's a beautiful story, yeah. but not everyone will have that, right. that safety net that they can build. Right. And I never want anyone to think that you can't take that leap and still be smart about it. But also if you, you only have what you have, yeah. you know, so if yeah. you don't have a, a nest egg of like four years of savings that you can live off of, mm-hmm. does that mean you shouldn't pursue your dream? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a brilliant, brilliant point. And I, I thank you so much for, for bringing that up because we do often hear, you know, the, the rags to riches or the success stories of, you know, going from, you know, having nothing and just like going for your passion and making it right. Um, but not every story is going to be equal across the board. And sometimes, you know, you feel bad about yourself for, you know, having to take that job or having to, you know, uh-huh. to do something to, to pay the rent because you don't have that nest egg or three years worth of savings. And it's nice to have, but it's not always accessible to, to everyone who's, who's pursuing uh-huh. this path. So that's, that's a great, that's a great point. But absolutely, we should still pursue our dreams and do it smartly, right? Um, and, and still yeah. give, it that, yeah. Yeah, give it that that push. Um, yeah. So you, you mentioned some of the, the, the scary moments, right? Of like you had that moment on the train, right? And that was sort of like your moment to really sort of pivot, right? Um, but tell us, yeah. you know, fast forward to you pivoted, right? You're doing the DJ thing. You're really out there. You're perfecting your craft. You're... Tell us more about, you know, what were those moments where you felt like, did you ever question, you know, the path that you were on? Were there any moments where you felt like you weren't far enough along that you thought you would be? Tell us a little bit more about about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're um, Mm self-employed, it it has a a way of, you know, it's like anything in life. There's peaks and valleys and... Mm -hmm. Still, you know, my reality is some months are are stronger than others Mm -hmm. in terms of the income and the opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, Did I doubt the path? Um, I guess I did in a way because, you know, when things get really lean and you don't know where the next stream of income is coming from and you're kind of piecemealing your life together at, at a point, and especially because societally, if you are a woman, you know, you're a black woman, a woman of color, you're aging, <laughs> you're doing something unconventional, yeah. <laughs> you're not married, you don't have kids, you know, and so it's kind of like, yeah, the time is passing and mm-hmm. the opportunities may appear to be shrinking, but I've just really learned how to put faith in the elasticity mm-hmm. of being a working artist, which mm-hmm. is like it expands and contracts. And it's my job to maintain 
a level of clarity about the bigger picture, mm. which hasn't always been my strong suit, right? I get scared. I've gotten so frightened sometimes and been like, am I going to have to get a job again? But ever since that experience I told you about with being on the train and quitting yeah. that job a couple of weeks later, that was 20 years ago. So when I decided that everything that I was going to do would be a choice, would be, you know, no matter the financial moment of it, I just always wanted it to relate to the core of me being a music lover and being able to present that in different ways. So then that led me down a path of understanding that there were different branches on my, on my hustle tree. You know what I mean? So DJing events was not the only way for me to make sure that I was thriving and taken care of and also um, networking. So then I got involved with arts organizations, which is why I still have such a strong connection to that nonprofit world. You know, I, became a, a, a mentor for a creative writing organization. And then I crafted like a, a creative writing class that was for girls only. Mm-hmm. And it was creative writing and DJing. And I just kind of made this tie in between these two art forms where like them learning the craft of DJing was the reward of them writing, you mm-hmm. know, and then us yeah. finding ways to incorporate those two things that they could do. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so I had a stream of income as a teaching artist And I had my DJ gigs and I was like, you know, working for different art institutions, but uh, everything that I did related back to music and for me being able to kind of teach um, or share information or work with young people and be a mentor and just find ways to to use my craft as a vehicle to, to show, first of all, young women and girls that there's a way for us to tell stories. Some of us don't like to talk literally. Mm-hmm. Right, public speaking is not everybody's thing. It definitely was not mine before I started doing this. So, um, so the music is a vehicle for communication and storytelling, mm-hmm. and I just think that it's really um, it's so valuable in that way. And then the optics of people seeing a black woman doing this technical mm-hmm. work as a DJ is super important. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I say all that to say that in the scarier times. Um, when I doubted things, I just knew that there was nothing else I would have rather been doing. And I wasn't, I don't know if I'm like a complete fool, (laughs) but I just, I have always had this thing since I graduated from high school, which is like, I just have to keep going towards whatever is calling me Mm -hmm. and not let my fear be greater than my desire for my passion. Yes. And that's really hard. I'm not going to, you know, it's like you hear interviews of people and they're like, just be blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, what is this platitude? Like, I really can't, like, I'm scared. I have $30 in the bank (laughs) and I got to pay this rent. And that platitude is cute about not giving up on your dream. But for real though, where's this money coming from? So that's just, that's a reality. But what I have learned over time is that when I did not question what I couldn't see, but I knew that it would come. Mm, yeah. I just was like, it's going to, something's going to work out. That doesn't mean I like sat around and did nothing right. towards it, right. but I had to have, I had to keep faith and fear in a healthy conversation with one another mm-hmm. and not try to only have one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like fear is not going to disappear. Mm. Yeah. Fear is going to definitely be along for the ride as long as you're pursuing any sort of dream, you know. It's, and it's you have on. to make friends with it and get yeah. really curious about it and treat fear like, 
you know, fear is just like your side eye friend that you're like, ugh, get out of here with the side eye. But you also have um, an opportunity in the face of fear to re-solidify what you want and be like, well, you can be here, but you're not better than, you don't mean more to me than my dream. Right. You're, you're here fear because of a whole bunch of other shit that happened long before I was an adult. (laughs) So as long as I know that, like, okay, I got this. Like, I just have to work with this, with this thing that, that triggers me and makes me really uncomfortable and still do my work. Yes. Yes. It's putting it in perspective, right? The fear is always going to be there, but it doesn't have to overpower you or paralyze you from from moving forward. And I think that's the thing that most often stops us, right? It's the what ifs, right? The worst case scenarios. Um, And, you know, to be honest, sometimes those worst case scenarios do happen, but you also have to trust yourself that you can you can, you can power through, you can conquer them, you can overcome it. You know, you have yeah. the resources and the tools to do it, even though you may not think you do. So yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. great point. Um, I want to go back to something you mentioned to um, being a black woman in the industry. And I want to, I want to hear more about your experiences and sort of, you know, what do you hope that, you know, your music can, and your platform um, can create as a vehicle that you mentioned. I love that you, you put it that way. And, you know, as we, as we, you know, start to break down barriers, right. Particularly for, for self-employed black women, um, you know, what, is, what has been your experience, you know, entering into industry, you know, that maybe you were, you know, the only other, you know, for a period of time, how did you navigate that space? And what is it that you hope to sort of, um, what path is it that you hope to carve for, let's say, someone just like yourself that's coming up? Um, well, I mean, I think some of the ways that I've I've had to navigate within the field and the industry of working in a, you know, obviously a very male-dominated mm-hmm. art form and, and um, skill is just, again, I think I mentioned this before, but but letting the work speak mm-hmm. strong and also just being sure about my point of view and what my voice is. And it's kind of like, like I mentioned before, uh, I just work, not work to, I'm hoping that I'm just being myself. And that is what has uh, created the privilege of like, um, of like the relationships that I've been able to foster. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I have certain clients and certain institutions that I've worked with repeatedly over the years because I think once they had an experience with me that was like, okay, I'm pleasant to work with. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show up and do my job well. And, you know, they want to have another experience with me mm-hmm. or the experience that I provided was, was valuable enough for them to refer me to another job or to, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, those are the kind of ways that I had to navigate was to figure out who I had authentic connections with, right. um, showing up and doing my job well, even though I didn't always, you know, I, 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 you know, we have our good days and bad days or whatever, but my consistency, I hope, is balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also when you are an other or, you know, a, a marginalized person in a space in that way again it's just really important to like stand on your own ground 
of who you are and be, you know, like it's work, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, there's like, a, there's a level of like professionalism mm -hmm. and flexibility that you have to have, but you can't be so malleable that you lose yourself in the space and allow people to treat you or relegate you to a margin. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you always, I think it's just really important when you're in those spaces to recognize what that is yeah. and to yeah. be prepared to be like as strong and empowered within yourself in the moment of presenting mm -hmm. whatever it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, that's the best way I've been able to navigate it. Again, I don't, I don't really play a good networking game per se, mm -hmm. but I feel like there's a reason why I've been working with certain institutions and people for like years right. and years and years and years. Right. So I just learned that like, just me being myself, mm -hmm. doing my work well, mm -hmm. um, is the best thing that I can do in navigating those spaces. And then when I recognize stuff that doesn't work for me, mm -hmm. like I know this is another cliche thing to say, but just like saying no when something doesn't feel right. Yes. No yeah. matter like how lucrative the opportunity is, if something just is not sitting right in your spirit mm -hmm. and you feel like, oh, I should take this job because of A, B, and C, it's like, well, what's the what is the other currency that it's costing you, right? right. Money, money is not the only form of currency. Mm -hmm. So if it's, um, if it's a detriment to my spiritual currency, I got to say no. Yes. Uh, something goes off in my head and I'm like, I don't know why I don't want to do this, but I have to trust my own instincts. Like right. trusting your instincts is another completely um, vital part of navigating mm -hmm. precarious spaces mm -hmm. as a woman of color and a woman, you know, a working artist yeah. for sure. Yes. I love that you said that, like, how have you learned to trust your own instincts? And has that always been sort of the case for you? Have you always sort of relied on your intuition? Or has it been sort of a process? You know, I have, I understand that my intuition is pretty on point. Mm -hmm. But I second guess it still, mm -hmm. I have my moments, but it's getting easier. Sure. I'm not going to say I always trusted it because also sometimes there's such a fine line between intuition and ego or yes. intuition and insecurity. So you have to really, mm -hmm. I'm learning to be more present in a moment where I feel something that I need to pay attention to. And then I, I just try to ask myself about it. Like, why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel weird? Why do I feel triggered? Is this right for me? Should I do this? is this in alignment with my goals and with what I want mm -hmm. with how I want people to, to see what I'm presenting? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So just, yeah. Navigating that space is just like, be true to yourself, check in with yourself, be honest when something is not right for you. Right. Um, and don't be afraid to say no. Yes. You know, we're so conditioned as women also to just say yes first. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's beautiful. And I think, you know, that sort of brings me to my my next point or my next question, you know, given the state that we're in, you know, we're, we're all going through such a, a shift, right, through this pandemic, through COVID. And, you know, COVID is really playing this pivotal role in, um, you know, sort of allowing us to or forcing us in some ways to reevaluate some of the things that um, we thought were important to us. We've been 
you know, forced to slow down in a way that's like involuntary, you know, and we have no choice but to slow down and to really sort of um, become more self-aware, you know, or use this opportunity to, to become more self-aware. And this is a question that I've been, you know, sort of having, you know, with, with colleagues and friends and family and, you know, and asking how, how has COVID changed, you know, the way you work and the way you live? You know, like what has come up for you in terms of, you know, how you want to lead or the, the direction that you want your work to take based on sort of this new environment that we're in? Because there's going to be another side to this. There's going to be, we're going to be on the other side of this when we don't know. But, you know, yeah. the question sort of being like, who do I want to be on the other side of this? And how can I start to make the decisions mm-hmm. today? in order to, to carve that path. So how do you sort of sit with that question or you know, relate to that? That's a great question. Um, being in this era and this time where, you know, for the first time in our collective memory and history, like everyone has been forced to, to press pause yes. or stop completely. Um, you know, with the exception of the people that have been working this entire time, especially, you know, frontline people or what's that coded language of essential workers or whatever. But I am, um, you know, as you mentioned, I've been on tour coming up for the last like almost two years with Lauren Hill. Mm-hmm. And obviously that has that came to a screeching halt. <laughs> um, we were meant to be in Europe all summer. Like I was about to be gone for three months um, and all of that is kind of stripped away. So I got into the rhythm and the flow of a touring life. um, And now um, COVID has forced me to learn how to work from home Mm -hmm. in a way that I never have. So, you know, DJing online, that's so, um, I know other DJs have been doing it here and there, but now it's kind of the, the primary way most of us keep ourselves in the loop. Yeah. Um, so just getting used to presenting what I do in the, on the platforms of social media and streaming live. So that's new. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm less nervous spinning in front of like 10,000 people before Lauren Hill goes on stage than I am for like, you know, 40 people on Instagram for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's teaching me how to be okay with working from home. Cause I really like to have those things be so separate. Mm-hmm. Um, so working from home but then in terms of like how do I want to come out of this on the other side who do I want to be I have just really been working hard at committing myself to a more consistent practice of meditation which I'm learning more and more is Mm -hmm. Mm non-negotiable for self-grounding purposes Um, so meditation journaling Mm -hmm. practicing you know in my in my art form, like actually practicing DJing just for, mm-hmm. you know, just cause I'm home and I have the time for that when normally I'm on the go. Right. Right. Um, but also I just keep feeling like I'm also, um, I'm spending a lot of time unpacking mm-hmm. some of my life experiences that I think I've been avoiding dealing with and really, you know, pulling out of the, <laughs> pulling out of the bag and like, you know, taking it apart and seeing it for what it is and being like, okay, these are things that I don't need to carry with me anymore. How do I want to make sure that I'm, I'm aware of what they are. Mm. I'm putting, I'm sharpening my tools. You know what I mean? In my like metaphorical toolbox. 
of like, really at the core of it is like, if I'm not good, I can't do good work. Yes. And what I'm learning is that I want to make sure that now some of the things on my dream and wish list that are like career creative goals, like I keep this, I don't know if you're like this too, Ariane, but I keep this like long list of goals that I've had for years. And every time I get a new creative idea, I just add it to the list. Mm -hmm. So now I'm really looking at that list before it's just like a document that I had to keep track of ideas. But now I'm going through it and I'm saying, okay, these are things that are useful in this time that we live in. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm starting to um, find out who my um, creative partners are in terms of, okay, if I have this vision for something I want to do that's music related, that has nothing to do with DJing in a club or being on tour, but I feel like is community-based that can help different communities through an expression of music, like what does that look like? So that's that's what I'm working on now is like I'm, I'm going back to the drawing board of these ideas and figuring out how to shift and shape them so that if I do, when I do things, they, they have meaning and value that have a rippling effect that's outside of me. You know, like I said, that's, you know, it's a vehicle. DJing is a vehicle and I feel like I'm a vessel, mm. but it's not just DJing. You know, it, it can seem like, uh, you know, frivolous on some level. Cause it's like, Oh, you're just mixing music together. But I, I think of myself so much as like a sonic pra- practitioner. Yeah. I understand the healing power of music. And so I really, my goal in this era of like having this downtime, which is a, an unexpected and, and, and sort of tragic blessing um, that I am getting that clarity of how to do more impactful work mm-hmm. and how to be, on a more committed path of healing internally. Yes. Wow. Beautifully said. I I could not agree more. And yeah, it's 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 funny how this time is causing us to kind of revisit some of those original goals and intentions and dreams that maybe we've written down years ago, but now have the space and opportunity to do it. So what a gift, right? If we choose to see this time that way. Yeah. Robin, this is so wonderful. I feel like I could go on and on with you. You've been so amazing to to talk to. Thank you so much Thank again you. for sharing. Thank so you. You too. Yeah, and for the work that you're doing. And I will share all the links so people can know where to find you. If you want to okay. plug and say, you know, where can people find you on Instagram and all the social handles so we can follow along on your, your work. Where can people find you? Sure. I mean, really, I am uh, building out like my Twitch and YouTube things coming up. But right now, just at DJ Reborn, R-E-B-O-R-N, DJ R-E-B-O-R-N. Um, on Instagram is kind of my main social media platform. Facebook started to hurt my head, so I <laughs> had to get off that some years yeah. ago. But um, but right now it's that, and then you know building out these other platforms and just looking out for anything like DJ Reborn presents. Like I said, I'm in the process of building out some of these dreams and intentions. So mm-hmm. you know I will be posting like how those things are unfolding and hopefully how the community work that I hope to do. um will be useful to people so yeah yes we can't wait to see it thanks so much again take good care we hope to have you on again thank you so much ariane thank you so much you're welcome bye-bye bye